0: Hello, everyone. This is Theo from Making It Make Sense with Isaiah, Jasper, and Theo. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and listen up for new episodes every Friday. Follow us on Instagram and leave us a comment at Making It Make Sense, IJT, or email us at Making It Make Sense with IJT at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Making It Make Sense with Isaiah, Jasper, and Theo. Today, we have a very special guest, someone that I have grown to admire, and someone who I believe has a strong powerful assertive authoritative voice um we have danielle defoe and if there was clapping it would have been clapping right now yay <laughs>
1: y'all not old enough to remember arsenio hall but there will be some whooping too
0: oh yes yeah, so, <laughs> <Arsenio. laughs> <laughs> so um i Hello. want isaiah Hello, to people. read um something briefly about danielle
2: Absolutely. I would be honored. Uh, so a native of New Jersey, Danielle Dufo has spent the last 20 years helping vulnerable populations live longer, healthier lives. Her work is deeply rooted in her faith that affirms the love of God for all people, understanding the critical need for workforce development to ameliorate the lives of those within the nation's capital. Reverend Dufault has helped to devise government programming that addresses the complex needs of Black transgender women within the District of Columbia. Her work has resulted in fragile populations acquiring steady employment, abating housing instability, and enjoying better health outcomes. In 2013, Reverend Dufoe worked diligently with government officials and the trans community to create the nation's first transgender workforce development cohort, a success. Today, a facsimile of that life-sustaining program remains, and nearly 10 years later, graduates of that inaugural program are still thriving. A survivor of childhood abuse and domestic violence, Reverend Dufoe is a consummate advocate for all who are marginalized and oppressed. Welcome, Mrs.
0: Dufo. Woo. Mm. Yeah. Daniel.
3: You are Daniel. Danielle. Welcome.
0: You are. I
2: mean, my God, I just feel like reading that. I just like experience like the the force that you are. God. yes,
1: you are hired. Though I mean, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it on the side about you know your your uh your ability to you know announce me even further, like you know professionally retaining you. Yes. When
0: you send me that, it brought tears to my eyes. Because Aww. there, there is something powerful about you, and there's something just, you know, amazing. The, the The day that I first had a conversation with you and I heard you speak, I said, "This woman is no joke." Mm-hmm. And you know, that. again, thank you for your time. Thank you for being here, yes. and just thank you for being extraordinary.
1: Thank you. Oh, Thank okay. you. I, you know, it, it does not escape me that in order to have the opportunity to be extraordinary, I need the allies, right? And so, um, I've even a conversation just before I got on with, um, which I I'm just going to refer to you, um, at, with the endearing um, like um, title of family, before I got on to speak with my family here, um. I was ta- having a conversation about navigating systems, right? Navigating systems that, that really are interested in you dying, are interested in terrorizing the hell out of you until you die. You know, and I don't know, they don't necessarily set out to do that, right? But they do it in fact. And one of those systems is the Black church, unfortunately. And yeah. so the Black church terrorizes LGBTQIA folks, Black folks, people of our own kinship. They terrorize us and then expect us to produce and be extraordinary and excellent, as you say. Mm -hmm. And, and yet they don't support that. You know, they don't support the the efforts of those who can be extraordinary. So it doesn't escape me to acknowledge if I'm extraordinary, then I acknowledge all those who are allies for me. And I appreciate
0: you. Amen. And you know, I have a question. Now that you spoke about the black church and also you being a reverend, Mm -hmm. how, how was that process how how do you come how do you bring those two worlds together for you as a black trans woman and that is that believes in you know and, and the religion or in the spirituality how do you bring those two worlds instead of make them um, together instead of having it separate like oil and water and vinegar it's mm-hmm.
1: a great question actually um
0: that's a really good question.
1: The reason why I think that's a great question is because you know, uh, so often it's said that African American Black folks in these yet to be United States are um, don't have a culture, that we don't have a definable culture. And here lately, I've understood that we in fact do have a definable culture, and that definable culture was for many generations housed within the black church right so Mm -hmm. out of the black church we get the civil rights movement out of the black church we get this resistance to uh the enslavement of our people and so thinking about that um thinking about your question which i'm going to ask you to reiterate because my cat just did something crazy And (coughs) but um thinking about that i approach oh i don't divest from from my Blackness and my queerness, I, I don't divest, so I don't really need you to repeat the question, because I heard your question, and now understand your question. But I, I refuse to divest, right, because those two are inextricably linked. I, I show up as one person, and, and it is the oppressor. It is the person who wishes to assert their dominance over me and my life who would say, oh, no, they should be separate. And often do separate them and force mm-hmm. us to do separate them. I think about the insidious nature of um, how Black trans women are alienated from um, the Black church, right? Even coming in, like, our bodies, is, our bodies are all we have, right? Mm-hmm. In this world, we're, we, we come in and our soul goes into a body. And that's the body we have until we leave. So how do you divest from, you know, how do you try to separate who you are, the totality of who you are while engaging with family, like the black church or your natural family? Mm-hmm. So this, this demand for us to divest from it and to see these things as separate. I, I am here lately. I'm like, nah, that's not cool. I'm not going to deal with that right there. That, like there is no, there is no differentiation. Oh.
0: Uh,
1: I am who I am.
0: And you're living in that normal, natural state.
1: Correct. Correct. And it's normal and natural, which are two great words used, right? Mm -hmm. It's absolutely normal to have this human experience and it's absolutely natural. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: So, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, navigating and getting an education, theological education, Black theological education at Howard University, has been a wonderful experience. It wasn't without, you know, barriers and it wasn't without some, some points that made me cry and humbled me. Um, discrimination, certainly. But it has been a, a wonderfully affirming experience to have done that and um, still
0: be connected with Howard University. Shout out to Howard. Shout out to Howard. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: So much about, uh, you know, it's really important to be, to to affirm like an HBCU experience has been um, really important for me to define who I am in this world
4: mm-hmm.
1: um, as a black woman, uh, you know, who is X Y Z, who is trans, a black woman who is fortunate enough to have gotten the education, a black woman who grew up in the inner city of Camden, New Jersey. After all of those other identities, being a black person who is educated by black people who Uh, celebrate being black it still is relevant in 2021 Mm -hmm. and it's no wonder why Howard University is known as the black uh, HBCU Ivy League uh, Mm -hmm. because I was having a conversation just the other day and somebody said well I don't know that many doctors who are black and I'm like well I I, I would invite you to come to the campus of Howard University because everybody I know is a doctor and they're black.
0: there there are plenty of them out there (laughs) Mm -hmm. they just need to look a little deeper Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no but I like the fact that you said that because um, as someone who grew up Muslim and is queer I had to find that normal natural state I had to carve that out because the oppressor the imam was trying to make it separate was trying to make it salacious Mm -hmm. and unnatural and not never providing me the comfort and the joy that one will get from the spiritual religious connection
4: mm-hmm.
0: and i like the fact that you are you know you're it's you're making it be known that do not try to make something that is natural unnatural or try to forbid me from having the equity even the equity in religious freedom and religious expression mm-hmm. And I like the way that you put it.
1: Mm-hmm. Or, you know,
0: um, when I say
1: when I say that black theological education really, it it really was a highlight of my life at forty three years old as a black trans woman. It's been the highlight of my life. Certainly, I've gotten degrees and been educated by two um, PWIs, Rutgers and and mm-hmm. Old Dominion, but. That education was, has been the highlight of my life um, because it affirmed me in so many ways and it caused me to realize that there, there is no need to argue a point. There is no need to engage in certain debates that from the outset instantly dis- invalidate who I am. As a person, right, it, 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 those conversations do not even acknowledge my Humanity, let alone my divinity, and so there's no need to have those kind of conversations, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Now, if you want to talk about if there's a theological basis for the exclusion of trans folks as queer folks or black and gay folks, absolutely not. Neither is there a, a theological basis for excluding black people as or relegating black people to the to the position of enslavement, as it was the case um, at the turn of the you know 20th century. Um, uh, many theologians thought that the supposed curse of Ham was something that spoke to Black people and the generations of Black people who had been enslaved and and um, subjugated. So there, you know, and and I heard you mention the uh, Islam and the Quran. There's again no no basis for those kind of um, alienations. Now, I, I'm not very familiar with the Quran specifically, but. I can always, it's an, what I want you to know mostly is that theology of any kind is an ongoing open conversation. Like Mm -hmm. there are no, you know, definitive answers. It's an open conversation. It's ever evolving. Right. Mm -hmm. All of us are mortal, And um, as such, none of us are gods because we're going to all have our day when we are the guests of honor. (laughs)
2: Mm-hmm. I like I, that the guest of honor. Guest of honor. I, I had a question. Where do you think, and this is, I guess, something just that I've I've struggled with struggled with um just in regards to theology and um and then the presence of God and religion versus spirituality. And when or or, or where rather do you think we get to a place where the black church um, or, or as far as religion comes to, we come to a middle ground where there's acceptance, where we don't feel um, alienation as a part of the LGBTQ plus community.
1: Mm. I am. I'm not so interested at the moment mm-hmm. uh, in, in acceptance. Uh, you know um because I really feel like some of some of the black church is inherently phobic
4: uh-huh.
1: and they enjoy their phobia you know they they enjoy their phobia so I'm not worried about so much their acceptance uh, I am however interested in uh, mitigating the terror mitigating the violence they subject on queer folks um and I am interested in identifying that as counterproductive and mm-hmm. not of God, right? Mm-hmm. So I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I am interested in um, identifying ostracization, the ostracization, yeah, that word, of Black <laughs> folks, <laughs> Black queer folks, right, of Black queer folks mm-hmm. uh, as being ungodly. I'm interested in that kind of, like, way of seeing that. Because okay. I, I really believe that we give, like words have power and and how we Mm -hmm. use them and how we articulate you know oppression and 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 identify the colonizer or identify the oppressor they're very important so acceptance isn't something i'm very interested in from the black church Mm -hmm. um inclusion absolutely i demand that when are we going to get to that point uh as more and more um people continue to to push back and and to Mm -hmm. identify look you guys are basically doing the same thing those who enslaved our ancestors are doing, right? Mm -hmm. Only you're doing it in a spiritually and emotionally capacitive way. And so that is all the more detrimental. That's all the more detrimental. Mm -hmm. And so the more as we get uh, more people coming to the table, um, wanting to speak out against this horrible stuff that's been happening, Mm -hmm. That's when it's going to be change, And I'm really encouraged by generation, the millennials and generation Xers. So Zers, yeah, Gen Zers. Mm-hmm. I'm really encouraged by them. Yes. I am absolutely encouraged by I you. I agree with that.
2: And then my addition, in addition to that then, so then, and not to come from a, from a negative space necessarily, but then no, if, sure. if we, so then if, if they're by chance, let's hope against that. But by chance there is not inclusion or rather um, or protection from the terror that sometimes comes with, with that religion and, and with uh, the black church sometimes living in that phobia, then do we seek to dismantle systems that oppress us? And if that includes the black church, then so be it. What are, what are your thoughts, I guess, on that?
1: You know, it's very interesting because the black churches, in many regards, already dying because of the pandemic, right? right? True. Uh, True. And so, time has time and providence. God's providence is already dismantling a lot of the ignorant stuff. We, you know, a lot of people are are who were going to church in person and and people whisper and talk about them behind their back, mm-hmm. have now gone online and they they gone online and they see that the the preacher is not, is like, who is he? Like they can understand as opposed to the pomp and circumstance of of Sunday morning service. They now see that the preacher has, there's no sustenance behind or no weight to the, the theology being espoused on any given Sunday. Like you, you basically, um, are sitting there listening to somebody who should probably go to school to get an education, a theological education. Someone who, um, who even though they may highly be educated, may highly, uh, or degreed, uh, should also understand what it means to stand in the pulpit and not at the last minute um, turn around and start bashing people that are the most vulnerable, the most marginalized, because we see that so often, right? People mm-hmm. haven't done their homework they didn't sit down and write their sermon. And so on Sunday morning to, to keep the the heat off of them and make them look good, they start, uh, uh, victimizing what they believe to be the most popular, um, mindset. And that's horrible in and of itself. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: Um, and so the the black church has like all other going has gone continues to undergo this sort of reformation. Mm Um, and so, uh, but, again, as we stand in our own truths and we really uh, lift up the truth of Christianity, Mm -hmm. not what we got from the slave master, not what our our grandmoms and grandpops got from from their grandparents who were enslaved, but the real truth about religion, the real truth about Christianity, the real truth, uh, things are going to start to be dismantled.
2: I agree. I think too, you know, my, and you mentioned too, you know, just kind of the, you know, that we're kind of witnessing that now, um, you know, just as a part of the pandemic, um, it just comes to mind. Uh, my grandmother just in her latter years, you know, I noticed her kind of retreating and distancing herself kind of from the church physically and kind of retreating into her own studying because I think she noticed a lot of the, hypocrisy and a lot of the things that just weren't sitting quite right with her. And that kind of led me, I feel like in the last, you know, just in the last few years to start having conversations kind of about, you know, whether or not, whether, you know, whether or not the thing that kind of was the foundation for me, you know, as far as my religion went and my family was actually something I wanted to continue to follow or whether I wanted to kind of build from, from what I'm learning for myself. Um, Just because for me, like I didn't, a a lot of the things that kind of seemed set in stone religiously, it didn't feel like it was going to be something that I felt accepted in rather. And I kind of hate using that word accepted, but rather included in. I didn't feel I was included in that narrative.
1: Oh, and being included is so important mm-hmm. and it's not a it's not an arbitrary thing it's not an elective to be included like um i was reading the work of uh, howard thurman who was really a great theologian mm-hmm. uh of of the last century and he um he talked about the primacy of community right mm-hmm. like community it we were his his assertion was that we were born to be in community with one another mm-hmm. and that's so it's such an important part of uh what it means to be alive today right Mm -hmm. we're not centering our lives around spirituality uh, uh, solely right but our lives are are understood and influenced by this need to care for ourselves and it's rather futile to engage in something like spirituality or faith that does not care for you but uh, in fact tears you down and terrorizes the hell out of you. Mm -hmm. So we now understand the importance of going to the gym, going to the salon to get our hair done or the barbershop to get our hair cut, going to the dentist, Mm -hmm. you know, going to the doctors on a regular basis to have routine checkups. And so religion ought to be holistic as everything else. It should be comprehensive. It should be a part of our daily, our lives. It's not separate.
4: Absolutely. Um,
1: hey Danielle, hey Boo.
3: <laughs> um, my question for you is, um, so like, what was that like for you when you when you when you embraced your womanhood? What was that experience like for you when you finally embraced it and, and embraced Danielle? Like,
1: what was it like for you in that moment? I'm a, I'm a bit of a a different egg <laughs> but difference isn't deficient like i you know different it, difference i love is
2: isn't, so, isn't deficient i love yeah that. <laughs> it's not
1: a, a lacking or a wanting of something but uh it's just it's so i um so embracing understanding what it means to be a woman is something that will probably be with me for the rest of my life right
4: because mm-hmm.
1: you have to understand like okay so you change parts anatomically you've You've, you know, addressed biology, Uh, but then, you know, what it means to be female and what it means is, is, those are two different uh, ideologies, two different understandings. So I I like being a middle-aged woman now, As amazing as that sounds to me. Life goes by so quickly and um, it was liberating. It was liberating, but I also felt the crunch. To answer your question, it was rather liberating to transition. But that goes along with the line that like transition is like you do it and then you're done. No, no. Mm -hmm. What I want to point out to most people is that there is a commonality between, you know, cisgender folks and transgender folks. And that commonality is that we are all on a journey, right? Mm -hmm. And that journey is lifelong. So when I was a child, I did childish things. And now as an adult woman, I do adult woman things and behave accordingly. And I, the 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 point is that I'm growing. Like I continue to grow even after a transition, a physical transition. I continue to grow. And that's the most important thing. And that that is the most liberating thing too. It feels wonderful to continually grow and not be shamed for growing. Mm-hmm always seeking and thirsting their freedom that's important because you know i mean it's it's not like we get this notion of trans people and this is very detrimental but i think we also do it as black people like you know our lives are compartmentalized mm-hmm. and to me that comes compartmentalization yeah that Um, (laughs) it's it's horrible it's horrible it's Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it allows us to invest into shame like when people shame us we we that's why you have dl folks Mm -hmm. that's why you have transgender folks who don't want to acknowledge that they underwent a transition they just want to be known as cisgender because that the the acknowledgement of that process was so horrifying and detrimental i've had girlfriends tell me you know i am no longer transgender okay if that's how you see your life that's fine that's cool Mm. um and you have the right to that i actually lost a friend because she said that i kept misgendering her i would say she's transgender and and i got it i understood Mm. what she was saying i don't know why I, i kept doing it but 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 um I understood. I, There's no but. I'm, I, I accept that I lost. If, if that's what caused her to, you know, distance herself from me, I accept that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in the future, I'll definitely be committed to changing
0: mm-hmm.
1: for anybody else who comes in my life. I don't think necessarily that was the reason, but okay, mm-hmm. I'll take it. But whether she distanced herself from me or not, I take her point. And her point is people should have the right to identify however they want to identify
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And she underwent um gender confirmation surgery. And after that, she did not want to be identified as transgender. That's all right
3: right. Yeah. So yeah. then you so then you're like, like where did you where where like you have this confidence? I love your personality. Mm-hmm. Like where 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 did where, where did this like how did like where did this come from? Like how did you develop this per this personality that you like? You have this like very affectionate, infectious. You're very like you're the way you talk. I, I love talking with you because you just mm-hmm. you give me so much life. Like, wh- it's where called does it come from? power. Where's it coming yes. from? Yeah, from the, yeah.
1: yeah, no, I appreciate that. Uh, some of it is age. Like, I cannot mm-hmm. believe, like, I tell people all the time, like, enjoy your life. It goes by so fast. I can't believe I'm 43. Like amazes me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But when I consider like um and I have to say this, I was part of the first uh, ever comprehensive needs assessment in washington d c mm-hmm. and um from that we concluded that the average life expectancy of a black trans woman is thirty five years of age uh, that's mm-hmm. a huge like that's 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 like third well world uh that's tantamount to third world world um, s- statistics um mm-hmm. Thirty-five years of age, so th- experience is what I'm saying it has caused me to grow in, um, in confidence, but also preparation.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: That preparation is such an enormous point to to becoming who you're you're called to be, and to to be able to stand authentically in your skin and mm-hmm. say, you know, I don't really care what you think about me. You're just not gonna. I'm not gonna allow you to devalue who I am as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those two things, uh, uh, just longevity, and, as well as experience. Um, but again, an HBCU, um, an HBCU education. And I will say this about the HBCU education part, because when I, when I realized that religion had been used to oppress and subjugate Black folks, and when I realized that Black folks, my own people had used religion even if they didn't go to church, right? You get the wino on the street saying, ew, are you a, a F-A-G-G, you know, that word, mm-hmm. the F-bomb, you know, even before you transition, you get that kind of those experiences, but you just, you're a whino who I just see in passing on the streets. And yet you, you're you using religion as a basis to ostracize and, and, and demonize and um, subjugate and oppress me. And mm-hmm. I thought, this is amazing. Like once I realized how religion had been used to enslave people physically, Mm
0: -hmm. spiritually, and mentally. Uh
1: Once I realized the heinous act of enslaving folks and oppressing folks and that it is actually directly linked to my survival and my health outcomes, I was like, oh, hell no. I'm going to be, every day I live, I'm going to be who I am. Uh Every day Uh I live.
0: you're living in that power
2: yes I had a question about earlier you mentioned um and you used the term it's set with me divesting yourself kind of 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 one or the other right Mm -hmm. um and so I guess my question is when in your life do you feel like you truly showed up in your intersectionality so in being a, a Black and trans woman, so being a Black trans woman, when in your life do you feel like they finally crossed together and you felt like you walked into a room and went, I am all of this. I am
1: all of me. I Probably in, in uh, 2018 when I entered... A divinity school, and mm-hmm. not only did I walk, end up not only did I show up as like black and um black and woman, I showed up as black and queer,
4: mm-hmm.
1: I showed it up as black and this and that. And so, mm-hmm. um, when I had to defend that right mm-hmm. against religious zealots, when I had to defend that against black religious mm-hmm. In which I really, um, I I I was most empowered. Mm -hmm. I was most empowered because not only my education but my experience had taught me that I could not be discriminated against in those places of academia. Mm
0: -hmm. But you know what I found what what I'm hearing well as well, Danielle, Mm -hmm. that you through education, through knowledge, to seeking knowledge you also found a freedom and a power that would not have been given to you if you would have been following the okie
4: Mm -hmm. doke,
0: following Mm -hmm. the words of the oppressors. Yes. That's why I tell people all the time, stop believing what these people are saying. Go look at scholarly journals. Go to Mm -hmm. school. Go do your own research. Go become educated so that you can have a seat at the table and have conversations with other scholars. Mm
4: -hmm. And
0: you have done that. You are the personification of that. That's why you can say here today that is not an opinion is a fact Mm -hmm. that, you know, these ugly, prejudiced, oppressive, and suppressive things are not in scripture Mm -hmm. because you have the knowledge, the education, and the skill, just like those creepy people that want to spew venomous propaganda, and that's what people need to do. I think if, if they're more, once again, like the person that said, "I don't see real," do- I don't see any black doctors. Well, right. what I don't see is more educated LGBTQ plus individuals like you or myself who went to school, who pursued careers, and who are having conversations with the people at the table
2: i always feel sorry i I always just want to interject to say this i always feel that when people say things such as i don't see enough black doctors around or i don't see black doctors or black lawyers or i think it's because you don't want to see them it's not because they're not there it's because you don't desire to see
0: them what do you (laughs) preach (laughs) yeah
1: yeah i i also know that um in addition to that because that's very true and this probably goes along with that
0: Mm -hmm. that
1: we busy ourselves in life
4: Mm
1: -hmm. uh we busy ourselves because we are oftentimes intimidated by the oppressor or the Mm -hmm. oppressive regimes uh barriers to accessing certain things like healthcare, Mm -hmm. and um um, education and even spiritual, um, spiritual communities. We definitely busy ourselves. I mean, that's why, I mean, there was a crack he- epidemic that mm-hmm. why, that's why there's been, um, you know, any, a number of things that are just like, don't make, that are completely illogical. Um, because we, the pain of living for a lot of people, is too hard. It's too difficult. And so we busy ourselves. Um, And that is, uh, can work against you. It can really work against you. But I definitely believe also that um, beyond formal, in addition to formal education, perhaps, Mm -hmm. um, that you you must can always continue. I'm a lifelong learner. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's important. for forever
0: student.
4: Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yes.
3: Mm -hmm. So then again, I have a question. So, what does trans lives matter? So what does that mean to you? What what, what would you define it as for yourself?
1: Like, what does that mean to you when you say trans lives matter? No, King King, I um just want to say that um, trans lives matter because we you know marginalize those who are marginalized within within communities who are already mar- marginalized. It's so important to um. To understand the needs of the least of these, right? Mm-hmm. Because when you do that, you inevitably advocate for the whole. When you, so when you advocate for those who are on the peripheral of mm-hmm. uh, a movement or within a movement, you really advocate for the whole. So to say Black trans lives matter, is enormously important. It's enormously important because we know that when we um, are able to think beyond ourselves, beyond our own scope of experience, that uh, we become more empathetic and we, we become more engaged in dismantling systems of oppression. Like not only do we see that it has a, um, we have a personal interest in dismantling these systems, but as we dismantle these systems, everybody wins. Mm-hmm. Everybody wins. Absolutely. So it's important to say black lives matter. And it's also important to say black trans lives matter. Mm -hmm. It's super important to make those distinctions.
2: And I think it's, it's, and just to add on to what you were saying too, I think uh, sometimes it it becomes, you know, Black Lives Matter, but then it's really all Black Lives Matter. Because I think sometimes it turns into, oh, okay, well, straight or heteronormative Black Lives Matter, you know.
1: No, I I completely agree. You know, um, again, mixing company and engaging conversations on Mm -hmm. a certain social media platform. Mm -hmm. I've heard it said that why does the LGBTQIA plus community always want to say or liken their experience for um, fighting for equities Mm -hmm. to the civil rights movement? It's not the same. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. I hate to tell you. I hate to tell you. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. is. That's right. And not only that we get to hold you accountable, right? If you were in that movement, Mm -hmm. then you should not be seeking to oppress anybody through words or deeds. You should not be oppressing anyone and particularly those within your own community. So black, queer, LGBTQI folks, Mm -hmm. um, you should not be oppressing. And that is why it's important to make these distinctions. Mm -hmm. That's yet another reason why we must make these distinctions because Mm -hmm. we know that this crabs in the barrel mentality Mm
4: -hmm.
1: is a thing it is absolutely a thing right and those who have been marginalized going on to marginalize and oppress and be abusive and toxic to other people who are within their community is a thing it's definitely a thing
0: absolutely and you know we we spoke about the the importance of spirit, spirituality and the true meaning of spirituality and the true feeling of spirituality for trans people and for lgbt Folks as well. Mm-hmm. So, when it comes to healthcare, how important is health equity for LGBTQ folks and especially trans-identified folks?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, about about I would say twenty years ago, right? Um, this is just a great example case study of how important it is to access. Um, access uh, health equity for all people. So about 20 years ago, there was um, syphilis was on the rise within commun- the black and brown trans communities, uh, women, trans women. And people were saying, oh, how can this be? Syphilis is so old. And... But not, mm-hmm. more importantly than that, they were checking in with people who, um, trans women, right? this is important to know, trans women who um, would die from syphilis, they were dying from syphilis, and people mm. were like, well, "Why? Why are they dying?" Well, apparently, there's this shot for syphilis, right? To this vaccine for syphilis, or this, uh, or the the um, the antidote or the medicine for syphilis. The treatment for syphilis. The treatment. Thank, thank you, you. Yeah. thank you, thank you, thank you. The treatment mm-hmm. for syphilis is administered through a needle through the buttocks, um, mostly, right? And so they would be diagnosed with syphilis. And they would go to a doctor, and the doctor would administer this treatment um, in, a, in a shot, right? And they would still die. And they were like, what's the deal with this? Well, these women, this is a nuance of our community at that time. These women were uh, had uh, silicone injected in the uh, dermis, into the skin of their body, bodies, into the hips, into the cheeks, into their buttocks. Um, that was just mostly a practice, an illicit practice. Um, of, of my generation of trans women who weren't able to access BDLs, who weren't afforded trans affirming care. So um, here you have a contemporary example of why health equity is so important and cultural competency within uh, medical professionals, like the patients and the, and the practitioner needs to talk, because if not, you have these really crazy outcomes which people are dying for something that's completely treatable
0: amen and mind you syphilis if i'm not mistaken has been around since 1494 mm-hmm. there's a 1400 <laughs> we've discovered that penicillin cures syphilis but there it goes because but when you have it come, and that's why health equity is important hmm. When you have a conversation with your patient and you have your consultation, how are you having those conversations? Hmm. And when you're having conversations with LGBTQ folks, let's focus on trans folks, a lot of people erase their experience. Hmm. And I've been in medical um, office spaces where I've seen medical providers erase the experience of a trans person if there's a trans woman sitting in front of them they treat them like a gay man Mm. if there's a trans woman sitting in front of them they treat them and speak to them as a cisgender woman or a lesbian woman and i've come to understand through my years of experience and my years of practice (laughs) that you cannot treat a transgender individual as you would treat a cisgender person. Transgender people have specific needs. You need to have specific conversations and you need to make them feel comfortable for them to be able to get a, the proper medical treatment. Because a simple conversation what a, to have with a patient about, hey, you have, um, do you have silicone? And, I, uh, and also you need knowledge. And do you have silicone? You would have discovered this because now here in New York, if you have silicone, we're not injecting you with penicillin on your behind.
4: No. We're
0: injecting you in your thigh where there's just, a, just as big as a muscle as the buttocks. But because no one wants to have conversations with people that they deem less than mm-hmm. or inappropriate, or I don't believe that this is an appropriate lifestyle. Because I've been, i worked for a specific hospital, I'm not going to say, mm-hmm. because then I'll, they'll try to sue me and I'll win if they sue me. <laughs> <laughs> I worked, worked in a hospital where a doctor said that I am not going to perform, I'm not a to perform this procedure on this person who was trans because it's against my religion. Oh, wow. And this trans person really needed this procedure. And I told him, you should go, you and your religion should go fuck yourself. Period. Because we are here to treat the patient, not to treat your religion or what their life is. And I Mm -hmm. ended up doing the procedure for the patient. Mm -hmm. But again, I think it's it's just something deeper. And there's something, because I see how trans people are treated in the medical field. I hear medical professionals use the F word to address transgender women and transgender men. Mm -hmm. And is.
1: saying the alphabet community.
0: Yes, which, mm-hmm. which has become a little comical.
1: Derogatory. Now. Yeah, it's yes. a pejorative. It, I mean, yeah. You know.
0: And I'm just like, cut it the fuck out. Like, I was very transphobic when I was younger. And I did my work to get to this point, And that's why I consider myself a 110% advocate for trans, um, trans people and also an ally. And there's something and deep- deeper happening. Go ahead, Dani, I'm sorry.
1: No, 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 no. I don't want you to, to lose your train of thought. I mean, there is something deep, deeper happening. Go ahead. Yeah, there
0: is something deeper happening with this erasure of trans people, with mm-hmm. this uh, subjugation of trans people. And, and it's just and it's perverse and cisgender individuals need to be angry they need to they need to be at the forefront of it and stop it when they hear it every mm-hmm. time i hear someone use abc uh, the alphabet community or misgender someone i say not on my watch and whether you are my friend my family member or my colleague i say not on my watch and i nip it there and if you want to call me all sorts of names please make sure you do that behind my back
4: mm-hmm.
0: And a lot of people don't do that and don't want to do that. And I don't know why there's something deeper happening.
2: And don't you feel like, you know, and and Theo made a really great point too, with the fact that I feel like it's, it is the job of, in my opinion, it is the job of the entire LGBTQ plus community to show up when one of us, or or one, one of us is, there's not equity Right, So it's not, and not just the LGBTQ plus community, um, people outside of that community as well, allies as well, but I do feel that it's the job of everyone else in the queer community to lift one another up. So I don't think that it's just one of those things where it's, okay, well, this is just your fight. No, it's it's our fight.
0: Lord. Mm -hmm. What were you going to say, Danielle? Yes, please.
1: Um, I no, I completely agree with you, and I would even take it a little bit further by saying well, earlier you guys asked me how it was that I was able to show up in a certain way, right? Um, mm-hmm. and that's part of the reason because of allies, right? Mm-hmm. Because collectively we lift, and and another person would say it this way: collectively we dismantle these systems of oppression, these systems that are intended for us to not live uh as long reach normal life expectancy but not even that but not even just reach the average life expectancy for someone who was male or someone who was female in this developed country but to have a quality of life that is equal to somebody else uh, who are to the white say a white cisgender man you know we all should be able to have the same kind of life Uh, um and so um I, those are super important. I think it's super important for Black queer folks, Black queer folks to realize that our fight is a bit different than white queer folks, white LGBTQIA folks. Our fight is absolutely different. So when we have allies within our community who will stand up for us, that, that's
0: enormously affirming,
1: for, particularly for Black trans women. It's enormously affirming. So I'm grateful for that.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like having the feeling, and again, you always related to the civil rights. When I was called a nigger, when I was in fourth grade, mm-hmm. and a white person stood up and said, absolutely not. I felt seen. Mm-hmm. I felt heard. I felt supported. Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to give that to everyone who is marginalized because I live in an intersectionality as well. I am a cisgender black male. The fact that I'm born male, I benefit from misogyny. And if there's a misogyny, if there's transphobia present, because I think the root of transphobia is also misogyny. There's some misogyny in there. I have to stand up and say, absolutely not. So that my brothers and my sisters that are trans feel that I am being seen I am being supported. I am being uplifted, so that we can be equals, and we can spit on the oppressor all equally. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you know, as we approach, um, as we approach, uh, transgender day of remembrance, which is a national uh, ob- aver- observance of trans folks who have uh, now become ancestors um, for various reasons. Um, but mostly, it was started because those who became a- ancestors in their twenties or, or early late teens, like eighteen and nineteen, for no other reason but the fact that they were black and trans. Uh-huh. And so, um, as we approach that date, November twentieth, I want to appreciate um, you, Isaiah. Appreciate you, Theo, and you, too, uh, King. About. For this opportunity to speak to you about how important it is for us for black trans people and black trans women to still have allies sure. to still have allies. I want to appreciate you that for that because you know although I haven't seen the latest numbers, I knew at the last count the numbers of black trans women who lost their lives this year uh, has already um, surpassed what it was last year during mm-hmm. the pandemic
4: during Mm -hmm. a pandemic Mm -hmm. during a
1: pandemic and so even if even if we have no um even if we are completely averse to the to the notion of people um um harming folks for being trans Mm -hmm. we still do a lot of harm and and when we hear people say and i say we but when like, oh, they trick, they shouldn't be tricking people. it's so just oh, idiotic, idiotic Ignorant. commentary Ignorant. Ignorant. on the yeah. dead, dead people who can no longer defend mm-hmm. themselves, dead people who can no longer articulate what the hell happened. Mm-hmm. And so, and even in this way, we all must be allies to those Black and Brown trans women mm-hmm. who lost
0: their life because of that. So thank you. And you and know, you know how people have the nerve And the oppressors have the nerve to see animals, dogs, as full physical and spiritual beings. If my dog has an anxiety um, attack, do you know that they will gladly provide therapy and psychotropic meds for my dog? Yeah. Dogs are taken care of and seen as full total beings before before trans people. And trans people are spiritual beings they're physical beings and they're mm-hmm. beings that deserve equity for their mental health their physical health and their spiritual health way before my damn raggedy ass dog mm-hmm. and again i think there's something deeper and something sinister and it sometimes makes you think that maybe transgender people or lgbtq plus people are some kinds of uh, like celestials or something Species, yeah, <laughs> and these damn demons are just trying to screw you over in every way, shape, or form. Mm. But that ain't gonna happen. Sorry. <laughs> and, you know,
1: there's much to be said about that. I think, even even for the younger transgender uh, community, um, I think that, and I know, I deeply believe that um, they are celestial beings because they're encouraging us to see how we. Like they're adding, we are adding, Black trans folks are adding to this corpus of knowledge to, un- to help us understand how we might exist better collectively in these bodies. That's such an important um, point about the conversation extending beyond the gender binary. When we consider, you know, non-conforming individuals, people who do not conform to normative sexualities or normative genders, it's an enormous conversation. They've always been around have always been around. Queer folks have always been around. Even in the Bible, they talk about the eunuch. The eunuch would have totally been a queer person and uh, that's neither here nor there. But mostly, <laughs> we, we, <laughs> but no, mostly we, uh, we talk also about these people in abstract. And what I love about what you're saying uh, what you're saying, Isaiah, what you're saying, King, is that these are not really people in abstract outside of our community. They've always been here. Mm -hmm. And they are our cousins and our uncles or our aunts. These are our loved ones, our beloveds. And yet Mm we stand either idly by or stand even even witnessing the atrocities perpetrated on, on us as Black trans people. And I appreciate that you're no longer willing to allow that to happen. You use your voice. Voices strategically in order to prohibit this kind of um, carnage. This yeah, war strategically and methodically. Yes, mm-hmm. this war on Black trans people. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's definitely important that more
3: of us do that in this, in our community, in the Black community, and in the LGBT plus community. We have to come together and use our voices to protect, to protect our own. Just as a family, we have to we have to stand up for each other and defend each other at all costs. We, we have to.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I just had, I wanted to ask you, um, this is just kind of on my heart, what do you say in terms of hope and positivity to young transgender youth, young Black transgender youth in particular?
0: Oh, good one.
1: It's, um, what do I say, as a message of hope? you have a you know what you are you have a right to live your most authentic life you have a right and and you there are people who are defending and will continue to defend you and your right to live as you know god has created you to be i think it's a divine uh experience to be transgender I didn't always think that, but I now believe it deeply that it is a divine um, ability to be transgender. And so I would tell young folks that um, there is, you know, God even affirms your right. The very fact that you were born affirms your right Mm -hmm. and it will continue to affirm your right. And as you grow up and as you age, uh, I hope that you would join the chorus of folks saying, and affirming the fact that you have that right, but there are people who will who will help you along the way, and and those allies will be there to make sure that you survive. So be encouraged. I, I you know, it's it's that's that's very interesting, and it's, the, the question is very interesting because um, I, as an older black trans woman at forty three, a middle aged one. Um oh, you don't look a day over 25. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> You're oh, black, let you let me know cracking. where I should uh, let me know where I should send the chat kind of <laughs> but you know um yeah hope is hope is a world which is here today hope is the world in which you can be your absolute self without someone harming you physically or verbally because of who you are. Today is here. And we really need you, that, t- that day is today, and we really need you to join those who are advocating for and allies with our community. That's uh,
3: cool. That was beautifully said. Beautifully mm-hmm. said.
2: Those and, are, to me, those are the words of a hero because someone is gonna listen to this and really need to hear that. And so my last question uh, would be, who is your hero?
1: um i would say one of my uh heroes uh is maya Angelou. i i looked at i've looked at her life really critically um mm-hmm. and for quite some years she was out of adversity she was able to um to become one of the most forward thinkers of our time and i certainly love tony morrison i'd certainly love a lot of other um writers james baldwin jimmy baldwin is one of one, one. Of but as as far as heroes go maya angelou and Maria, one that i heard maya angelou say something once you know um i think she had a really good sense of like timing and and counting her days so that she could enjoy her life but also that her life would be of influence and, and, and ameliorate the lives of other people. She would affect change that makes other people's lives better. And that's why she's really my hero, because she led with such kindness. She led with mm-hmm. kindness. Absolutely.
2: And still I rise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Sure. So, uh, leading... Kindness and hope and optimism. Yes. Yes.
0: You lead with, she led with kindness in mm-hmm. a world that was so vicious yes. and vile to her. And that's what I find and I see in you, Danielle, that you lead with kindness. You lead and you speak with empathy in a world that wasn't that gracious to you, Mm -hmm. that did not show you the same grace. Mm -hmm. And I thank you for your words today. I thank you for the knowledge and the gems that you shared with us today. And again, please continue living in your power, in this power that you have, and continue being the atomic bomb of change that you are.
3: Yes. Thank
4: you,
1: Daniel.
0: Thank you, thank you, so, thank you much. so much. I really
1: appreciate that. Thank you so much. I
2: really we really appreciate you giving us the, the space and allowing us to hold space with you this evening.
3: Yes, you. Yep. Thank you for um, allowing us to Uh, give you the platform to to use your voice and spread your voice to the world.
1: Thank you again. And remember, if I could remind everybody, on November 20th, we celebrate uh, the lives of those who lost their lives this year during Transgender Day of Remembrance. And I see this conversation as uh, a wonderful prerequisite to that kind of honoring. But also I see it as a conversation that really advocates and really saves lives. Because the point, none of us really have the answers to all of this crazy mm-hmm. stuff that's infecting us. And, and um, oftentimes we struggle to use the language of the oppressor as, mm-hmm. as we see what the colonizer does. But, um, but uh, together we lift and together we climb. And I know that, I know that through these conversations we are climbing and lifting to a better world in which people will not. Um, be subjected to harm or loss of their life because uh, of who they are. So I thank you very much. I don't take this conversation lightly. Thank
0: we you. don't either. We, we don't, don't either. Either. And and beca- Thank you. you. Thank you. Together. Thank Together. you. Together and, and we end right there. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Love, thank and you. Life.
2: Love, Love and light. light. Love and light. Love and light. And remember, we are the new ancestors. Act accordingly.
3: Yes. Okay. Or you will get checked.
1: <laughs> check yourself or before you wreck yourself. I love you. Yes. <laughs>
2: That's right, fam. <laughs> we about
5: to check. We're about to deliver all the kids. Brothers, fathers, brothers, brothers, back of in- extending across the atlas. I be at this, flipping in together on the dirty mattress. You can't match this. Rapper slash actress, more powerful than two Cleopatras. Bomb graffiti on the tomb of Nefertiti. MCs ain't ready to take it to the Serengeti. My rhymes is heavy like the monster Sister Betty. El Boogie sparks with stars and constellations. To the king, fear no human being. Roll with cherubims to Nassau Coliseum. Now hear this mixture with hip hop, me scripture. Develop a negative into a positive picture. Not everything is, is everything. Everyone. Sometimes it seems, sometimes it seems, we'll touch that dream, we'll touch that dream, but things slow and not at all, they slow, yeah. and the ones on top won't make it stop, so convinced that they might fall, let's love ourselves. of spring, spring.